You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio show, and we've got a great program for you today. Uh, later on, uh, we'll be talking about some really interesting rumors about Netflix. They've been having a, a tough go uh, lately, uh, down on their subscriber numbers. Well, there's a rumor that they may acquire Roku, the smart TV platform, which would cause uh, a major shakeup. So we'll be uh, talking about some of the uh, the details and our thoughts on that. We'll also be chatting about connectors, cable connectors. Out in the world right now, there's kind of two major ones when it comes to smartphones. Uh, there's Apple's Lightning Connector, and then there's USB-C that pretty well all other phones use. And uh, a lot of Apple products as well, including their laptops and some of the newer iPads. Well, it looks like uh, the European Union will be forcing Apple to use the USB standard or USB-C standard. We'll uh, tell you what that uh, all means and could that uh, affect Apple products here in North America. And we'll uh, do a bit of a roundup on uh, Apple's big announcements uh, this week. But first, let's get into some of the uh, tech news, uh, John. This uh, was interesting, and we talked about this before. Uh, Insteon uh, has turned their lights back on, essentially. This is a, a, a smart home platform, John. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, it's always the concern when you go all in on a smart home manufacturer uh, for your smart home is, you know, is this app always going to work? And uh, for the people that bought Insteon stuff uh, last April, basically they turned off all their cloud servers and uh, leaving everybody literally in the dark. So what kind of smart home products were they like uh, light switches and, and plugs? Yeah, they. it seems like they had a, a little bit of everything. I've never actually used any of their products, but it does seem like they have uh, switches, plugs, thermostats, and um, uh, even a smart home hub to tie it all together. I, I get the sense that this is maybe a little bit more for like the contractor to install in your house as opposed to maybe a consumer-facing one, uh, which is even more of a concern because your contractor might install all the stuff you know, in your new house build and, and it's already dead. Yeah, it's uh, something that uh, we chat a lot about here on uh, on Get Connected. There's so many new connected devices now, smart home products, you know, and I think you echo this, John. It's really important, uh, I think, uh, right now to go with uh, a company or a brand that you know will probably be around in the next five, ten years. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, because basically the, the servers got turned back on and they're still hasn't really been a lot of information about who turned it back on because this particular company, Insteon, they were uh, basically bankrupt. And uh, it sounds like whoever, either uh, a creditor or some other entity that bought up those assets now has the ability to turn these servers back on. Um, and it's a little interesting because someone on Reddit actually made an interesting comment about this is, is the fact that, you know, when you, set up these things, especially like with cameras and other things that really have uh, an intimate look into your world, your own private life, um, you've given or signed or agreed to some kind of privacy agreement. Uh, now you've basically just given that access to somebody else that you don't know yet, or you haven't maybe decided to look at their, uh, their own privacy agreement and see if you agree with it still. And so it's it's an interesting thing, again, when you're dealing with cloud services, who owns that cloud that you're connecting to and what happens when that company goes bankrupt and somebody else picks up that server? 
Yeah, it, uh, I, I wonder if governments should step in on, on, on this, this type of product, John. Uh, like we were saying, a lot of these connected home devices, they are completely dependent on the cloud. And if that company does go out of business, like you're saying, um, that cloud shuts down and, and renders all those devices useless. I'm just wondering if they should have some sort of backup that they could work without the cloud. I don't know if that's even possible with some of them. Well, definitely, that should be something that you would look for uh, in a product is, you know, what is your plan B? And there is definitely some some of these products, they do or can work without going outside of your home network. Um, obviously, the functionality when you're away from home to be able to turn off things, turn things back on to monitor the temperatures and those kinds of things, that's really useful when you're not at home. Because typically, if you're at home, you can just look at the thing. Um, but... Some of them have, you know, like these cameras, they have the ability to, uh, some of these cameras at least, have the ability to put a memory card in it, actually store everything locally, and so you can review the footage later, even if you can't look at it on your phone because you're not connected to the internet. Um, so those are the kinds of things you have to think about when you're choosing a smart home uh, provider. Yeah, myself, John, I, I, I typically go with like Amazon Ring, Ring stuff or, or Google uh, stuff, so I'm not as worried about them going out of business anytime soon. But I, I just think about like my my Ring cameras and you know the video doorbells and things like that. Uh, yeah, most of it is kind of tied to the cloud. Like if Amazon ever went out of business, which they're most likely not going to, uh, you know, I would have invested thousands of dollars in this stuff, and it would yeah. be dead. Essentially, well, it's interesting you mentioned Ring though, because <laughs> that's our what's one of our next topics to talk about. Yeah, they. Um, so Ring, they make the video doorbells and security cameras, uh, all sorts of, uh, they've got alarm systems now as well. Uh, apparently, uh, down in the US, they raised their subscription prices without warning. And so a lot of people aren't happy about that. Yeah. Well, I actually got an email to my Ring account uh, about this. And because I, I pay for the, the Protect Basic plan, which is yeah. it's $30 US a year. And now it's going up to thirty nine ninety nine a year. I mean, I got a warning, but it is effective the next time my thing renews, which I think is probably like the fall. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess that's that's some warning, but you know, you're not getting more features; they're just raising their prices. Congratulations. And, yeah. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, um, like, you've got the Protect Plus plan, don't you? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I can't remember. you have multiple devices. Yeah, yeah, I've got like probably 10 different ring things going on in my place. So uh, it, it's not a bad value. What is it, like 15 bucks a month or something? I can't remember. But, you know, I get all the cloud storage for all the cameras and, and things like that. And it also works with the alarm, the ring alarm I have. So uh, yeah. I, I I feel it's good value. Well, the they were the, it's been suggested that basically, at least under the previous pricing, it was cheaper to have, uh, if you have three devices so say you had a doorbell and two cameras say um you'd have to pay for that plan for each um each device unless you got the the plus plan which is what you have but the pricing was so kind of skewed where it was cheaper to buy three separate basic plans than it is to buy one plus plan um but now those prices have all gone up so now it's um I think they're trying to make you go to everyone to go to the Protect Plus if you have more than one device. Very crafty, eh? <laughs> Just like broccoli in the supermarket, everything's going up. 
Yes, uh, unfortunately. Uh, another interesting uh, news item here, John. We talk a lot about electric vehicles. Uh, you know, obviously they're becoming more and, and more popular. If if you can get your hands on one. Uh, that being said, uh, Ford they've got their Ford F one fifty Lightning truck that. Uh, is theoretically rolling out now. Uh, very, very scarce. I, you know, I think they're back ordered for a whole year on these things. Uh, but At there least, was, yeah. yeah, there was an interesting accessory. Uh, there was a picture of an interesting accessory that uh, potentially came with uh, the truck. Yeah, it's kind of puzzling as to. I mean, I, I kind of why they would do this, but it's just also like doesn't seem relevant to my my electric truck needs at this point. And that is that they included the specific adapter to be able to essentially reverse charge a Tesla from your truck battery. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So you can basically turn your truck into a BCAA for <laughs> Tesla owners. I, I wonder what the, the thinking is behind that, John. Uh, you know, yeah. are, they, are they trying to, you know, be attractive to service companies that, you know, would need to recharge you know, electric vehicles? Uh, are they trying to go after Tesla owners knowing that the Cybertruck, the Tesla Cybertruck's not coming out anytime soon? Perhaps, but it's like a $65 US item adapter. Like it's yeah. it's not, it's not like a $600 adapter you get for free. It's, you know, it's like getting a charge cable included with your phone. Like it's, it's a nice thing, nice thing to have, but not necessary for the operation of the device. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I just recently purchased a truck, John. Like I, I bought a big trailer because you know we want to do more kind of camping in that. Um, and you know I I so desperately wanted an electric truck, but there's just nothing available, and I I don't see that really changing for the next couple of years. Yeah, there the the technology is still so new, and people are voracious about these because a lot of people like the truck is their only type of vehicle they prefer, and. Uh, so those are the ones that are super early adopters for this stuff, and um, they're just unobtaining basically. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, it's still going to be a few years away, um, and it's killing me, John, because the gas on this thing is incredible. Like uh, towing it anywhere, like uh, you know, we towed our, our trailer up to um, the Okanagan here in British Columbia, and I, I think the gas is you know coming in around four hundred dollars, you know, for the return trip. Yeah. It'd be cheaper to fly. Uh, that's, that's what I'm wondering now, John. Should I have just saved all that money and just had wonderful trips to Mexico or Europe? Like, <laughs> I think I would have came out ahead. Yeah. Probably. Okay, we're going to have to take a break, but we still got a lot of great stuff to talk about in today's uh, program. Some interesting rumors about Netflix and Roku, the smart TV platform. Could Netflix uh, potentially want to acquire them? Also, uh, Apple might be forced to switch their lightning cables to USB-C in the European Union. If that's the case, what does that mean for North America? And we'll be uh, doing a little bit of a roundup of the uh, the big Apple announcements uh, this uh, week. So if you are uh, in the Apple uh, universe, some really cool features coming out uh, for things like uh, iMessage, where you can actually erase or even change the text that you've sent out already. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. Some interesting rumors brewing uh, out there uh, right now revolving Netflix and Roku, John. Uh, Roku being the number one 
a smart TV streaming platform out in the world right now. Uh, they make everything from the little sticks, uh, the smart TV sticks and the little boxes, but it's also uh, becoming more and more integrated into a lot of other TVs, like from Hisense and TCL, for example, even Sharp. Well, uh, it looks like um, Netflix might be looking to purchase them. And I didn't know this, John, but uh, the the founder of Roku actually worked back at Netflix, developing a set-top box for the company before uh, the then-CEO, uh, Reed Hastings, decided to abandon the project, and, and Roku was spun out in 2008. Yeah, which is really interesting. You know, you had this great idea in your company, and they decide not to go with it, so you just leave and roll your own. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Netflix, I think we've all seen them in the news the past uh, couple of months here. They've uh, had a bit of a, a go. Their stock price is down uh, dramatically. They've missed subscriber targets for the first time in I don't even know how many uh, years. So uh, typically they've been adding uh, you know millions uh, every quarter, but uh, in the last one they actually lost some. And you know there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think there's a lot of competition out there now, John, with all the different platforms. Yeah, and they've also been doing some, um, I guess, investigation into the fact that most families, at least, share their passwords with friends and family. So, that Netflix is trying to like figure out how to get everyone to get their own account. Yeah, obviously, people don't want to pay for it if the family's already paying for it. No, I, you know, to be honest, my family's that way, John. Uh, You know, not all of them live at home anymore, but they're still using the family account. So, uh, I guess I'm one of those <laughs> those people that's bringing down bringing down Netflix. But it makes sense though, because if you have your own profile on a family account, you spend a lot of time, and Netflix sort of has an understanding of what kind of shows you might like and that type of thing. So, to create that new account with any of that uh, metadata about your viewing habits, you're starting all over again. Pretty much. So why why Roku? Why would they buy uh, a smart TV streaming platform? Why would they get into the hardware business? Well, what's interesting, John, is that uh, Roku has really been building out their video advertising uh, operation. And I don't know if you knew this, John, but uh, they took in over $647 million during the first quarter of this year. That's amazing for the first quarter. That'd be impressive for the first year. Right. But that's a quarter, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's mind blowing. But it's also not hard to understand too, because like you said off the top, Roku's kind of in a lot of things, and we've been talking about them for years. Like we love their little sticks and all, all of our TVs in the studio, and some of ours at home, they all have Roku on them. They're just easy to use and plugs into everything you need. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, John. I, I recommend it to people because it's just stupid simple it's not the most powerful one out there like it's good for streaming stuff there's there's better like i love apple tv because it's actually a high powered uh, you know little computer almost and so you can actually do a lot of pretty good gaming on there whereas roku that's not the case no but you're playing what 200 250 for an apple tv versus maybe 40 bucks for a roku stick yep and you know what there's the magic isn't it right it's just the lowest common denominator. It's affordable for everyone, and it, it just works. Like, if you're not uh, very tech savvy, uh, it's pretty easy to set up and, and just find your shows on there. Essentially, yeah. you know, with some of the other platforms, you know, Apple 
there's a there's a few hoops you have to jump through to actually get that thing set up properly. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because like like we noticed, Roku's been building up their own sort of original programming by buying up other content like Quibi. We talked about that before. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if Netflix is necessarily interested in in that content, although it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, I think it'd be interesting to have Netflix to the hardware game because that could maybe push their streaming service, you know, a little bit more front and center uh, among some of the other options on all of these installed base of Roku hardware. Well, exactly. Uh, I think that's obviously one strong reason. I think the big one, though, John, is, uh, you know, they're rumored to be coming out with an ad supported tier, like a, right. a lower price Netflix. Maybe it's five bucks or eight bucks a month, but there's advertising in the programming. And because Roku's already built out that video advertising platform, it just it would just fit very neatly into that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like a good fit. Hey, Kay, okay, John, we, uh, we have to uh, take a break here, but we've got a lot more to talk about on today's uh, Get Connected. Uh, we're going to be uh, going through uh, a little bit of a roundup uh, for all the... The Apple stuff announced uh, this week. If you're an Apple user, there's some really interesting things that are coming to uh, most uh, iPhones. And cables. Will Apple be forced to switch their lightning cable to USB-C, which pretty well every other device out there uses? Well, if the European Union has its way, it could be happening in the next couple of years. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Cables. We all need them to plug in our smartphones to charge and to transfer data. Two main standards out there in the world now. Of course, as always, Apple. They've got their own version with the lightning cable. And then there's USB-C, which is pretty well used on every other smartphone, Android smartphone out there, and in a lot of uh, laptops, and uh, also tablets as well. And even uh, Apple's uh, iPads, the newer ones, are switching over to USB-C as well. Uh, the advantage to both of them, whether it's Lightning or USB-C, they're interchangeable as far as which side you put them uh, in. And that was kind of one of the strong things when the Lightning cable came out, John. Uh, it didn't matter which way you plugged it in, it would just work, as opposed to kind of the, the cables of old. Yeah, yeah, that was... You didn't even play the bet. You just knew you could plug it in backwards. Well, the European Union, uh, they are trying to cut down on electric uh, waste and consumer confusion. They are talking about uh, mandating all of these devices be switched over to USB-C by the autumn of 2024. And this is something that's uh, been kind of talked about for the past uh, year or two, but I think uh, it looks like this is uh, going to go through. I just find this thing silly, though. Like, really, this is the most important thing that the European Union needs to work about in their parliaments. <laughs> well, like, they're they're trying the, to cut the, down. The, yeah, they're I, trying. I get that, but it's not like it's that big of a deal. I think the the statement that they put out in the press was like <laughs> European consumers were frustrated with long with multiple charges piling up with every new device. I'm like, really. Every new device. There's been two charging standards for the last, what, four or five years at least? Yeah, easy. Yeah, that's not a whole pile of new chargers. What I hate more is proprietary plugs on laptops. Yeah. But at least use one of the existing standards to charge it, not a net new one for my power brick. But 
aren't they going away from that? I think most laptops that we've reviewed over the past couple of years have USB-C. Yeah, but like I just re I just took an Alienware laptop, and I mean it's one of the sort of higher end gaming PCs. It has a dedicated uh, power plug with a huge brick that's not USB chargeable. Well, yeah, I guess it just comes down to how much power can uh, <laughs> be pushed through yeah. the cables and uh, the power adapters that are available for them uh, right uh, now. But, you know, but what do you really think it's a, that big of a problem, though? Like, no, I don't. I, I, I got to be honest, though, it would be nice if it was all one cable. Do you know what I mean? Because agreed. Ag- agreed, but it just seems like to force a company to change their their connectors. And it, we should point out, it's not just Apple that's been targeted with this. It's any like any electronic manufacturers, they all have to fall in line with USB-C. So your smart home devices that maybe would previously have come with my USB cable, uh, any kind of box will be USB-C as well. Well, I, I think by that time, I, I think the lightning cables probably passed its best sell date, you know, as far as what it can do. I mean, there's a reason why Apple's using USB-C for uh, a lot of their new, high-powered iPads, right? The lightning cable is just not cutting it anymore. Yeah, there's probably a, a, a wattage limit that you can push through a lightning cable. Well, you know, if it does go through in the EU, obviously Apple's not going to make different cables <laughs> for different jurisdictions. Uh, you know, they, they would most likely switch over uh, to USB-C in North America as uh, well. Okay, we're going to have to take a, another quick break here. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, all the Apple goodies they announced uh, in uh, the past uh, week here. Everything from changes to the iPhone operating system, even the iPad, and uh, a new MacBook Air. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. We're going to talk about some of the uh, Apple announcements this week, and we'll be covering this more in depth on the App Show uh, tomorrow. The App Show is our sister radio show. It can be heard across Canada Sundays. And if you're in Toronto, that would be Saturday night. Uh, It was from their Worldwide Developer Conference. So a lot of this stuff is revolving more around kind of the operating systems uh, of the various devices, you know, from the iPhones, the iPads, to the uh, the MacBooks and, and watch uh, as well. Uh, John, where do you want to start? Uh, obviously, uh, iPhone's probably the most popular uh, device out there for them. Uh, some pretty big changes when it comes to iMessage, which is uh, Apple's text messaging system. Yeah. The big, big thing here is that you finally have the ability to do a couple of key things that people have been wanting to do in iMessage for a long time. One is message, and you can undo send message. So say you send it to the wrong party, you have up to 15 minutes to edit or delete it and pull it back from that person. Now, there's a couple caveats with that. Those people that you send to have to be on iOS 16. And um, so that's, that's how it works. And they also will get a notification that you did unsend them a message. So um, it, you know, they'll get a notification whether they read it or not doesn't matter. You can still delete the message if they've read it up to 15 minutes after you've sent it. So even though you sent that drunk text and and deleted it, they'll still know? Potentially. And if they're not on iOS 16, they'll definitely get your message and the unedited version of it as well. I kind of like this feature. I like the ability to be able to go in and 
edit a message I sent? Like, how far back does that go? Does it go more than 15 minutes? No. 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 So if you spelled someone's name wrong or gave the wrong address or phone number, you can go in and fix it. So, but that's pretty cool. The other thing I really like is the mark is unread. So if, say, you read a message and then like, I need to deal with that, you now need to flag it again to go back to. That is pretty cool because I don't know if it's me or autocorrect is getting meaner, but I just seem to be sending crazy messages. It's like you're drunk, but yeah. you're not. It's just autocorrect. Because, <laughs> you know, you're just punching these messages out and then just like... Um, now, I have to say, though, probably the biggest change that the average person would notice with iOS 16 is the fact we now have a lot of customization options for things like your wallpaper and your lock screen. And essentially what Apple has done is they've turned your lock screen or treated it like a watch face on your Apple watch. You have the ability to customize and add filters, change the fonts and the, and the sort of the theme of these things. You have the ability to add a lot more widgets than you did before. And you can even have really fun sort of customizations that are based on either emojis, your photo gallery, or um, uh, some of their sort of pre-made ones that they've done. And they've done some really beautiful uh, sort of interactive uh, themes that you can use as your wallpaper. The, the, the things that really caught my eye, John, uh, were the live activities, which you've mentioned. These are little widgets that you can put on the lock screen. So if you're following... Um, you know, the Toronto, uh, the Toronto game or the Vancouver Canucks game. Uh, now you can have that score being updated in real time right on the lock screen without having to go into the phone. Same if you had uh, uh, hailed an Uber. Yeah. Because uh, that was one of the pain in the butts all the time. Like uh, when I'm using Uber, uh, having to go into the Uber app to see where the Uber is. Now you actually get like a little car on the lock screen and the progress yeah. as to how close it is to you, which I thought was really cool. Now, the other really interesting thing is you can actually tie a wallpaper and all of the customizations we just talked about to a specific focus mode. So, for example, if you're in, say, at work and you set a schedule for your, your, you know, your work times that you're in the office, it'll actually change the – you can actually set it up so it'll change the wallpaper so you'll know you're in work mode. Maybe it has like uh, your company's logo or something on your wallpaper, your lock screen wallpaper. Then as soon as you go home and that – uh, focus mode is turned off, it'll revert back to whatever your default is. So you have this ability to quickly at a glance know which mode you're in and what notifications you're going to get in those focus modes as well, which is really handy, which is something else that they've changed. They've changed how notifications come up. They're all sort of at the bottom and you have the ability to sort of have them in stacks or just numbers. Like you've got four email messages instead of having four little panes of your email messages there. So you have a lot more control that you never had before for your notifications than even how they're displayed on your homepage. So this, this is, these are features that we're talking about that are coming up in uh, the next version of the iPhone operating system. And it's called iOS 16. Uh, is this a fall release right now, John? Yeah, it's going to be probably, I would say late September, early October, probably going to launch pretty close to when the new iPhones would be announced and available. But there will be a public beta available in July. Unclear when that'll be, but um, I've been playing with the, the private beta, the developer beta, and I got to say, it's pr pretty awesome so far. And iOS 16, it should be available on most of the newer iPhones as well. 
Well, it, they've actually drawn a line in the sand. It, this will only work on iOS or iPhone sevens and newer. Okay, but that's not bad. Like if you've got an iPhone six, don't get me wrong, they're fantastic, but they're getting a little old now. They're a little long in the tooth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can still keep using them. You just can't upgrade to iOS sixteen. Uh, another feature here: live text. This is this is awesome. Explain it. So. What we have with iOS 15 is the ability to use a, like if you take a photo and there'll be like these little lines on the bottom corner of the photo, you click on that and it'll highlight any text that it sees in that photo. So imagine you're taking a photo of a billboard or maybe even a truck going by with a website or a phone number on it that you want to remember. You can actually do this now with video. So if you shoot a video and there's some text in there, you can actually pause the video press that button, the same live text button, and then copy and paste that content somewhere else. That is pretty cool. Yeah. But I've, I've actually used that on photos. Like, uh, you know, I'd taken a photo of a, um, like a restaurant menu and I, I could just, I could just touch essentially the phone number and ask me, do you want to call this? Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought that was like magic, but I love the fact that that'll work in, in video coming up uh, next as well. Uh, there's also something called visual lookup. So this is the ability to take objects out of a photo. Like if you're in a photo, I guess you yeah. could just take you out of the photo if you're at the beach yeah. or wherever, and then just paste that into iMessage or, or other apps. It's essentially the Photoshop background remover without an app. Like it's just, you just literally click and hold on something and it sort of has this, this little halo that glows around it. Then you can either drag it or just copy it from that point and paste it somewhere else. This is really effective for people that use a lot of Instagram stories and stuff like that with stickers. You can actually just grab a photo of your cat, paste it into your uh, Instagram stories and no other app is needed. It's, it's actually it works surprisingly well. And I've tried it on a lot of different types of photos. Uh, talk about uh, CarPlay, John. They made some updates for that. And this is um, Apple's operating system in cars. Like most new cars now, you're able to either use like Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, depending on what smartphone you have, by hooking it into your car. Yeah, they really they didn't uh, so much update the existing CarPlay, but they, they sort of showed off what the future of CarPlay will look like. Because the idea between behind Apple is that they want to make uh, the in-car experience much deeper. So they're working with car companies so that your CarPlay experience will extend to other things in your car, like giving you access through your phone uh, in the car with the touchscreen and et cetera, to things like your the temperature in your car, your speedometer, those types of things. So you actually have a lot more, much richer information built into the CarPlay mode. And they gave some really interesting examples of how that would look. So for example, right now, your, uh, your gauge cluster that you would have like right in front of your steering wheel um, imagine if you had the navigation sort of built in behind all your, your gauges and you also have the, have the ability to then customize what those gauges look like. So they used a bunch of different examples. They had some very retro analog looking, you know, speedometer and uh, RPM type of things. But then you could also turn them into very digital ones, very modern looking, different color schemes to match everything. It was just really interesting. And apparently they're working with a lot of car companies and they're expecting to have this sort of built into the car uh, coming later in 2023. Did they say what car manufacturers they'd be working with first? They have not. But Here's, we talked. We we talked a lot about the fact that the Apple Car is coming, and I really think this is really what the Apple Car is. Apple Car is going to make other cars better um, by using the technology that they have learned from CarPlay and sort of that interaction stuff and how you would use 
a touchscreen and a, and a very visual display system in a car while you're operating it. We're talking all about the, the new features in Apple devices uh, that will be coming out in the coming months uh, here. We'll be going way more in depth uh, on uh, tomorrow's app show, our sister show, uh, which also airs Sunday across the Chorus Radio Network and uh, Saturdays if you are in Toronto uh, as well. Uh, iPad, John, what uh, updates do they have there for their operating system? Well, it took them 12 years, but they finally added the weather to the iPad. <laughs> Stop the presses. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the big the big thing that they, they came out with was uh, some uh, really interesting collaboration tools. Things like um, the ability to share, say you're working on uh, either a note or maybe you have a bunch of tabs open for a trip that you're planning with a bunch of friends. You can actually create a group in iMessage and share all of those things with them directly and then you can see how they're interacting with it so you can tell that you know uh mike is looking at the airbnb tab in safari john's looking at the you know the um the the restaurants or the the activities tab that kind of thing and then you also have this uh, other thing with something called freeform that's coming later this year it's essentially a whiteboard that you can sort of connect all the stuff to so you actually have the ability to sort of have this collaborative collaborative whiteboard that works across all the different devices that you're using. So you can you know, draw on them, make notes, make plans, that kind of stuff. So whether it's work or, or personal stuff, it's pretty cool. Um, and then they also have stage manager, which on the iPad with the multitasking, you typically only had the choice between like splitting a pane. And now you're going to have the ability to resize these windows, create custom layouts and actually have groupings. So essentially stacks for these windows. So you can have, you know, three or four different apps in a stack that you want to use for one particular project. And then when you click on that stack, everything else sort of goes off to the side a little bit, maybe gets a little bit dimmer and uh, less focused, whereas this allows you to then work on the main thing uh, in the primary window space. It's essentially now, at last, turning the iPad into a full computer, like a, a Windows computer or a Mac OS computer, really. It definitely is getting more and more like that for sure. It's going to be interesting, John. Uh, the more they can kind of go down that road, I wonder what kind of market share they'll take away from the Windows side of laptops. Yeah. Well, it, it well it just depends on which which devices you're using for this because you know Windows laptop it could even be cheaper than an iPad in some cases. So yeah. No, very, very true. Okay, we are going to have to take a break. If you want to hear more about uh, all these Apple announcements, and there's a lot of cool stuff, tune into our sister show, uh, The App Show. It's on every Sunday here on the Chorus Radio Network and Sunday mornings on CKNW in Vancouver and uh, Saturday nights uh, out in Toronto. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. I want to thank everyone that helped put the program uh, together, together, including uh, John Beeler, my producer and co-host, and uh, Robin back at uh, the studio. Don't forget to listen to the App Show tomorrow. We're going to be talking all about the Apple announcements, uh, getting a little more in details, detail on them, some really cool stuff. We'll see you again next time.